0: Welcome, Wheatland family and friends. Thanks so much for joining us. You're listening to Cross Reference, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. I am Luke Leduc, senior pastor here at Wheatland, and I am joined weekly by our co-host, Dr. Dan Spanger, professor of history and chair of the arts and sciences department at Lancaster Bible College. As a professor of history, Dan is a bright mind and engaging lecturer, and as an elder here to our Wheatland family, Dan has a warm heart for the gospel of Jesus and our life together as the body of Christ. And I am thrilled to dig more deeply into the scriptures with him each week as we tackle questions, explore connections, and generally unpack the sermon from the previous Sunday. Along the way, we'll take a few side streets, a winding road or two, but will never be quite so lost that you won't enjoy the scenery. Thanks for coming along.
1: Welcome Wheatland family. This is Cross Reference uh, with Pastor Luke Leduc and Dr. Daniel Spanger. Thank you for joining us. I've heard some people, Luke, um, outside of my care group and else saying that they're enjoying uh, enjoying these, that um, some of the things we're doing are helpful as, as people start to unpack what you're doing as a sermon. And I I think part of this goes to the fact that you have the uncanny ability of packing 10 pounds of seed into a three-pound bag uh, <laughs> for the sake of our people, <laughs> Just,
0: yeah, that's no fun to carry a, a 10 pounds of seed in a three pound bag. And I know that uh, personally and intimately.
1: <laughs> it's just very dense. But um, yeah. but I but I, I think that one thing I've appreciated about it, and I, I told Luke this as as I was taking notes this Sunday, and, and actually maybe I should, should blame you for this. I, I couldn't concentrate during prayer when you were closing in prayer because I had like six ideas I couldn't get into my tablet yeah. after you were done preaching as things were starting to spin all over the place. So I, I do like it um, because it, it helps me to, it helps remind me that scriptures are bigger than they yeah. they are.
0: And, yeah, that's true. I think, yeah. I think for, I mean, while we're just talking through sort of our sense of the sermons, like I think something like what I did Sunday, I think what makes it uh, interesting, but also what makes it difficult is that there is so much that you could go in a whole host of directions on that sometimes it feels like. So one of the things that I know, um, like early on in my ministry, uh, an older pastor that I did an internship with told me, uh, bro, you're shooting a shotgun, you'd be better off if you fire a bullet. And uh, I, I've I've worked on that over the years. But every once in a while, I got to break out my old school uh, sawed off shotgun and just like, well, this
1: felt like a little like a (laughs) 410. Luke, I'm not gonna not gonna lie. Um, Right. The way that I thought in my head, I had a different metaphor for the Sunday sermons that I had like, Five or six distinct fireworks went off. They all didn't yeah. get tied together all that wonderful right. well, exactly. But yeah. each one of the fireworks like left me running in like all these wonderful directions around yeah. the text. So
0: no, it's yeah, there's it's your true. goal, Just
1: unsettle us. Well, us on
0: our heels. I think what I did is I brought you all along into my own experience of <laughs> studying this passage in in the uh, during the week because I felt like I grabbed a hold of some things that I had never seen before in this in this story that I couldn't help but not say in a sense I you know how that is a fire shut up in your bones in a sense whereas oh (laughs) this is so interesting and this is so helpful I just need to share that but I'm just going to say it and then move on and then what about this and I'll say that so it's all job security I have to I get to do it again (laughs) next week and hopefully rein it in yeah wow
1: well, and 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 again, in that in that, there are some really wonderful pieces here, and I don't know if we'll attempt. I don't know. I think in our conversation, it seems like you had maybe you had some ways you want to tie it together and couldn't within the time frame. Yeah, uh, so we can sort of see where that goes today. Uh, let me just make one mention to the listeners that we're having a little bit of internet trouble today. So things may jump or bounce around. We're just gonna be patient with it. Uh, so if it if it jumps, skips or pauses for a second, just hang on. Yeah, it'll. it'll it out.
0: It's interesting. It'll sort of mirror the sermon in that sense. It might be a little glitchy, <laughs> yes, but we trying,
1: hopefully, oh, living terrible,
0: right? Hopefully, it'll, there'll be some interesting stuff in the middle of it.
1: Yeah. So, so one of the. Um, what what occurred to me is you were, and, and if I maybe if I had to define the fireworks you, you provided Sunday, it seemed like this idea of pattern was very important to you. Mm, that there were yeah. multiple different yeah. kinds of patterns. And it, and at some point each one of these patterns had its own thing to teach us things in family, <laughs> yeah. you know, things in the fall, you, things of going, you know, the fall taking us back to chaos, um, yeah, the history of the world and how redemption works. So each one of these set its own pattern, but maybe just for a second, talk to us just about how to read Genesis's pattern. And I know you don't mean by that, that it's not history and true and real. Right,
0: no, exactly. Right. Um, Well, I I think one, as I was reflecting on uh, sitting down with you this morning to um, rehash some of this, I, I was just thinking how I continue to be struck as I put in the study in these passages, in these first 11 chapters, I continue to be struck by the wholesale lack of context that we have often approached Genesis with. And I, to me, that, that has been the most surprising discovery for me um, in coming back to these first chapters, is that, oh yes, Genesis does have a context into which it was given. And I think for me, that has been the most helpful thing. And that's where probably most of my um, the, the thing that's been so exciting and helpful for me is to say, oh, this is what God is doing in his people by telling telling it this way and putting it this way and, and narrating the story this way. Here is where he's going. Um, so for me, that's what's been so helpful to recover. I mean, I think we're good about that. Like when we get into the New Testament and maybe I've said this on this podcast before, but, um, I think for many of us, we've come to Genesis, the tradition, I think at least my, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but my experience with Genesis was that I was coming to it for, to have it answer the sort of the first and most important questions that I had about origins or, or or about this or that, but, um, and I think it offers insight into all that. I'm not saying that, but there is this context, and I think that's what I was getting at with the pattern is, oh, this is the, God is giving his people a way to begin to see and to uh, recognize his work among them as he brings them out of the world and out of slavery and sin and bring them into a kingdom and develop in them and through them the the life that will rescue them and the world. And so all of a sudden, he begins to set these patterns that will carry out in these amazing ways that uh, you and I have been thinking about together already this morning.
1: See, and and that, there's a, a bit of a, I think, a dissonance, maybe a a mental and intellectual dissonance because as soon as the say pattern, you end up back in almost this sort of medieval way of looking at the text, where it's allegory, and this is mm. just God trying to tell you what sin is like. So the characters invented, and I think what you're doing here is, and and I'm, if I'm understanding right, is saying actually it's a it's a it's a bit of both. In one sense, it's true in actual history, but in the history of humanity, in our consciousness, in our in our soul, is this rebellion that sets up a pattern of rebellion. So we. we living in 21st century are living in the same story, mm-hmm. even though we're now have cell phones and, and computers. Yeah, right. it doesn't change. And, and I think what that does then is, and this is what I've, I took you to begin with, is you actually need to read Genesis to recalibrate the way you see the world. Like the re, Almost like today, what I was, I was thinking Sunday was, you're asking me to recalibrate how I see history. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different logics for how to see history, power and politics and all that may be true, but the pattern underneath it the real story is this constant fight to for control the elder brother cain jealousy power make the world work and make it work right by power rather than submission to god which mm. quite frankly allegory or not is true everywhere at all times and all places no matter what language we're talking in
0: yeah it's it really is a way for us to come back and Uh, just validate what we're told in the new Testament, that these things are given to us for our example Um, Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's the clue in a sense that um, these things are given to us for us to find these truths in our own selves and and in our own time and in our own place and space. And I think you're right. Um, As we come back to it, Ah, uh, this doesn't make Genesis more remote from us. It actually makes right. it more intimately um, connected to our own place and our own struggles and our own story. and us as God's people, the struggle that we corporately share as God's people. Right. right. Can we talk
1: about one of the first patterns? So one of the one of the patterns you talked about was the familial pattern. Mm -hmm. And you spent a little bit of time of of drawing us through scripture from the first um, outwards. And again, one of these little firework things that um, I've been trying to harness since you mentioned, it was this older son for some reason, and we know sin is the reason, but for some reason, the older son, and even even through history, almost the older son always had a right to say this, as Cain has the right to say it Mm once. I am the older son. This is my responsibility. But somehow that contorts into power control Sin metastasizes, mm. it, and then you carries the story through the younger son. So, can you unpack a little bit? What What does it mean to be the older son in that regard, and why is it just being the younger son that carries the story, or what what yeah, features of Abel become the thing that carry the story?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. It was one that I puzzled on a little bit, but I think, but I think even you've added some color to it for me in our conversation. That we've had offline, sort of in preparation for this, but um, yeah, it's an interesting thing that I I talked a little bit about primogeniture and and that idea again. uh, I was happy
1: as a historian that you said that, by the way.
0: Yes, that's right. And moment of glee. Tried to explain it, and and (laughs) I think it goes back to the sort of the other thing that I was saying about the the world that this comes into is it's it's a patriarchal. culture, tribal, tribal culture with family at the center, that sort of thing. Those are really important categories, but it seems to me that, um, I don't know, let's riff on that together because what I think yeah. that you're saying and what I think I'm sort of even beginning to unpack, pull it, as we pull at that thread is that there's an order that the world, um, put together in a sense. There's a logic that, Mm. okay, this is how we care for our families and care for our world. And um, this is the absolute way in which this society, of course, um, meant to care. And uh, the laws of Israel, where it talked about those who are marginalized, whether it was orphan or widows and all that, God is all for that in the way that that works within um, that Whole patriarchal system, but it seems right, right. that there's a sense to absolutize that system, right. and um, there's something about the system that becomes more important than the goal of the system. I don't know. What do you think?
1: No, I think that's good because I. So I, I think when you think about primogeniture, you know, a lot of people monitor to well, oh, good, we've avoided that problem, as if somehow, oldest son thing is the is the issue here. But when you say pattern, I think what it strikes to me is, yeah, there. That's a constant that the world is always coming up and always has, even now, with here's what history is really doing, and here's how we actually need to carry it. And typically, if the world has decided that outside of obedience to Yahweh, it's going to result in someone bashing God's people over his head, which Mm -hmm. is sort of our culture. It's not primogeniture now, but there's some logic to what what people deserve and ought to have and is right. And Mm I think you made this statement, which I thought was really great. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact words here. You said something about the apple and the, or sorry, not the apple, the fruit, um, yeah. good and evil, that now you've, you've, you've learned good and evil right. you've decided yeah. now, now go do it. And that's exactly what happened. Yes. We come up with yeah. the standard and the right and evil and, and Cain. And I, and this is one thing I said to you, and I don't know if this, this works Luke, but is when Cain strikes his son, he's asserting what's right. He's not yeah. just being bad. He's reasserting his, right to rule over the family by birth yeah that's and, fantastic you know, and you could imagine too that the, right. the, you know the parents saying hey one day your son is going to save us I'm, cain may have actually had this in his head you know that you're the mm-hmm. first son you're the one yeah and yeah. so he's reasserting the right order he's not he's not <laughs> doing something that's just purely evil
0: Oh no! Now it we've is. got now now you're now now we've got more fireworks going off, yeah, <laughs> Oh, brother! That explosion not, over there! <laughs> because because what that 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 is a really interesting way to think of that. If Cain thought that he was doing what his father failed to do with the serpent, right, in, right? That's crazy. There's
1: head crushing going on here.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh no! See now, there's more stuff. I yeah. So going back it's um this idea that adam and eve are sent out of the garden to use their untimely grasped knowledge of good and evil (laughs) to build their own paradise so god says okay if you and by the way this gets me into what god's judgment always looks like in the old testament right um but he says, okay, you have taken this out of the, the fruit was not ripe for you yet. You've taken it and you've decided that this is the way that you are going to live in the world. Now, you can't do that and be under my authority. that You can either be under my authority or you can go your own way. Right. So here you go out into the away from my space now do your own thing, then he's saying, yeah, in a sense, um, it's it's that setting, it's, it's what I was describing a moment ago, is they are absolutizing the order of things, right, rather right. than uh, the obedience to, and trust, and vulnerability to something that is uncomfortable, because it doesn't give them everything they would like to understand right. about the situation. Oh, well, we can understand the world working this way and whether it's patriarchy at that point or whether it's um political correctness Quality now, or whatever, now w- whatever whatever it might ever. be like it's that absolutizing of it with without be- because they did long for survival and life and knowledge knowing good and evil is a good thing at, at one level it it, it, it well, was yeah was right yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and I think the idea that some that somehow a
1: lot of these things were considered right in their time throws us a little bit because we always want to go, well, they're obviously wrong. When they cast the golden calf, that was obviously stupid. Right. If it was obviously stupid, they wouldn't have done it. They thought it was right. Right. And I think I think Cain probably thought he was right, which mm. which one of my statements about when when God comes, where's your where's your son? He, he could be almost as like flipping it around on its head. Look, you, you chose Abel. So he should have been the keeper of the family, not not me. He's right. almost like casting that off. If that's yeah. possible, I'm not sure. But I, don't but know, I think but there's I, a lot to this idea. Yeah, yeah
0: and, and I think what it fits is, what I like about this conversation is that we can't read these stories, we can't hear them um, and make them far simpler than they actually are. Because one of the questions I was asking you at the beginning, <laughs> I was hoping you would answer it for me. And I think there's a sense in which you in which you have is I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, I asked it, at the, uh, it to you personally. It's a question I was asking the whole time last week is how does Cain go from. It, it's not as if sin like slowly grows and develops. And, you know, first Cain starts by just sort of mis you know like marginalizing his brother and he cuts him out of something but no how do we go right to murder right how, how does that happen but if if all of the sudden we're talking about what Cain saw was a threat to the order that they'd established there just outside the garden and mm. if if Cain found that as a threat that the younger now was going to try and do something that was meant for the, I, you know, that's a different discussion and that's a more interesting. And it's, I think it's probably, even if we're not a hundred percent right on this, it actually lends to the complexity that actually exists in the story. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I, I think that it does, it almost sounds like too allegorical. Oh, everything's fine. Then there's sin. He walked around one day and said, oh, I don't like this. I'll kill you. These right. become rather plastic cardboard cutout people that aren't right. really real John Grisham, bad guys in John Grisham novels who are always sneering and snarling. Yeah,
0: right, right. You know,
1: but yeah. there, there, there is, it does. And I, and I think, I think if you're, if you're, a, and this is another interesting context, which you've brought up quite a few times in our discussion about this, in your sermon is that this is happening to the Jews who are in the desert, the Hebrews, mm-hmm. mm. that that for them to be convinced that somehow Egypt is not right that yeah. their order is wrong right right i mean they've been struck down by egypt because egypt has established as you noted their order this is what mm-hmm. the world is supposed to be so yeah. it wasn't egypt just saying how could we be evil right they actually right. think they're protecting what's right
0: exactly yeah and you they, have
1: to know right you have to know as the abused person actually no matter how convinced they are and and you said this you've made a really interesting statement that the younger always carries the history of redemption israel has to come to believe it's carrying the history of redemption when it's the second born child of egypt it's this latter day second they would have not believed that they were this.
0: all in fact yeah by
1: god's economy you are because it's not oldest born
0: but right yeah because there's a sense in which um everything around them in that world was evidence that egypt was successfully um navigating and bringing order and blessing and fruitfulness and and yeah it that was what actually was working in the world. right exactly yeah that's yeah. right
1: that's right and i think that's such an important thing because if if in fact if in fact it was working then somehow they have to come to the conclusion that working is not what this is supposed mm-hmm. to do
0: yeah and, <laughs> and there's a sense to work. yeah and there's a sense in which that younger brother the elder brother <laughs> almost speaks to that main paradigm of Israel's existence it's, it's almost an argument for Israel's existence in a sense right
1: Right. yeah right interesting so, and, I, and so I, I go back to this thing you said about pattern which I thought was a really great way to say it because moral lesson is too abstract and really disconnected and just to say history is right but then it's way back in the past and how we we connected but once you say pattern you say wow yeah this is a long this is actually the essence at some point of human rebellion is that mm. it posits And, and this, I, again, go back to the, the, way you've, the way you've talked about the fruit. It, the human history posits itself as the right thing because we now determine the right to define good and evil. And it's really hard when you're in that setting, when good and evil seems so clear to then say, no, God's way is the right way. And, yeah. I, and I think well, the story sets an opposite pattern How are we supposed to see ourselves not evaluating by the good and evil that the world says Mm -hmm. by this other ridiculous, and I was doing this when Ephesians a little bit, this other ridiculous, crazy thing that we're unified in Christ in the church is as bizarre for us as being a Hebrew was, Yeah, you know, for the Hebrews. Right. (laughs) It hasn't changed. It's shocking to me how consistent that is.
0: Oh, I know. Let's become a great nation by going out into the desert.
1: (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. No, great nations. Yeah. Yeah no know, let's be a church and, and we'll be a kingdom but we won't have a land we won't have a government we won't have an right. army we won't have you know boundaries but yeah. we'll be the kingdom of god right. on earth like this just...
0: and our strongest most powerful weapon will be our vulnerability and love for each other <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, that's right. and our savior will be one that actually died under the power of rome and right exactly just so yeah so much and that i think that you're right i i, I like seeing now this long pattern so I don't know if you were meant to do this here, Luke, I I'll put you on the spot, but if that's the pattern, that, that's the pattern you were tying into with Jacob and Esau, Joseph, mm. which I thought was interesting. when it, You actually made a reference to Joseph crossing his hands up. I, I think you said Jacob in the sermon you were talking about it. But I think
0: Well, I right. think it was Jacob who was blessing Joseph's sons at, on his deathbed. So his father's come back Jacob's to been, Egypt. Okay. Yeah, and and so they, anyway ephraim and manasseh the the, the right two right sons right of so yeah. so
1: that pattern of that this pattern of the younger this blessing
0: mm-hmm. you, you
1: said subversive i think mm-hmm. at one point yeah. Um, yeah and i think i'm thinking of mary's i think of mary's prayer right after after she is told what she's going to do she gives this magnificat which yeah. i think confirms this pattern that god always god yeah. chooses the holy yeah yeah unthinkable the, yeah unthinkable. oh
0: now wait a minute Whoa, another firework, because now it's not the youngest son, but now it's a woman who bears, <laughs> the, she becomes like the yeah, uh, more, far farther, less credible, less believable than a younger son. Now right. is a, right. a maiden who is of no uh, respect or of no uh, importance in the world at all
1: pregnant yeah. and not being married which is yeah, a whole yeah. The,
0: the indignities pile up in that ancient world but so i think what this has brought out that what i would want to say now having more time to reflect on this and sort of pull at threads is that you know i talked a lot we, we've already mentioned about primogeniture but primogeniture was the logic of the moment that helped them order the world in the best way that they knew how right and that's what's being subverted it's not just primogeniture it's anything that fills in that blank of this is the way we order and um, make sense of and best uh navigate the world it's this and so then it was primogeniture as, as the centuries go on and as history marches on in a sense what you were saying a moment ago every historical movement becomes the best and the the brightest way to order the chaos and and all of that and it's the story there will the the jesus story what we know as the jesus story will always subvert our best logic
1: so so you said so the on the patterns you mentioned the sacrifice is another interesting Mm, mm -hmm. one as an alternative to that pattern, and because because you talk about this idea of bringing the fat parts and bringing
0: yeah like
1: this sacrifice is is not what the ancient Near East would have thought of as feeding gods who are hungry.
0: Mm. This is
1: actually taking the best of what you have in a time when starvation is possible, mm-hmm. or not impossible. Mm-hmm. It's a very feasible. In fact, that happens yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah, taking these things and out of hum- humble giving up those resources in love of and repentant love of God and repentance for sin. That's a mm-hmm. whole nother pattern yeah. it seems to subvert all yeah. these logics you're talking yeah. about
0: yeah yeah and i think um <clears throat> of course the the pattern of the pattern is genesis 22 mm. um and i've i've been trying to think a lot about you know human sacrifice was not unheard of in that mm. time um it, it's shocking to us to think that yahweh in testing abraham asks him to sacrifice his firstborn son mm. and i'm not trying to lessen the shock of that sort of thing but <laughs> um that human sacrifice was not unheard of in that time mm. Mm. and what happens when uh it, it was it was actually for like really crazy situation i'm not crazy situation I, in in mesopotamian babylonian culture there were there were reasons when that would have been a response of their ancient Near East people was human sacrifice. But what God does is, in a sense, subverts that idea mm. for his people, but then provide, you know, you know, the whole Jesus bit about that is he provides mm. himself a lamb, but he provides this goat at that point in Mount Moriah. So anyway, I think one of the, I realized that I'm starting to think about another sermon and I'll, I'll <laughs> leave that there for now. But one of the things that I had written out um, but that I just had to cut because it would just been a whole nother uh, strand uh, amongst uh, It'd have been another BB with a in in a, in sh- a shotgun shell full of disparate BBs. But um, was the idea that sacrifice was not unheard of in mm-hmm. in that way? Israel knew exactly what was going on, even though we felt it. Um, like where did Cain learn about sacrifice and and how did that you know the ancient world I was thinking is a place that was altars and altars and offerings were as common as convenience stores is what I was yeah, thinking right, you right. couldn't go very far in any ancient civilization without finding one on a corner and um, and that Israel's whole deliverance begins with you know from egypt with a sacrifice and it wasn't unheard of the, the passover deal and all that but um
1: yeah and, and i think that but that there is equally just you, you know talk about this as subversion um i think to the modern mind it doesn't sound subversive it's like well mm-hmm. it's just another god to sacrifice to but the whole the whole system of sacrifice here is entirely inverted Mm. it it becomes it's interesting that that we, it was this way of 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 caring for the gods and actually this is the way now god cares for us it's like a right. total reversal mm-hmm. that god actually creates a system whereby he can relate to us again
0: mm-hmm. he can
1: come back and meet us again and he uses this terrible system that was all all corrupted
0: yeah. And, yeah and so
1: you know if to practice it the way that that abel's doing it here the way that god practiced it with the cloaks you mentioned the skin over over their backs would have been crazy probably and ridiculous to the the hearers that's that's not what sacrifices do no that's not how this works you want to keep the gods happy and fed so they leave you alone right right that's not what this is and so that idea of sacrifice actually is subversive in so many ways because you're not dealing with gods that are hungry you're Mm -hmm. dealing with a god that is the i am who wants us to sacrifice because he wants us to be in relationship again it's not how you keep people off when you get fed and you leave the shepherds in the field it's actually you bring them in
0: right, so jesus right.
1: brings them into the table by his sacrifice right, right sacrifice is usually that which keep people you know farmers are out in the distance farming so you can mm-hmm. eat
0: it's
1: a whole right. different reality it,
0: it is and i think part of what i was thinking about it which which we didn't get to in the sermon but um and but you're hinting at this is the idea that sacrifices were meant to keep the gods at bay right. at, from from um look if you do this, this will appease them, it, right. you know, to, right. just to help them forget that we're here doing our thing, <laughs> in a sense, just do whatever you have to do. Well, even here from the beginning, it says God had regard for Abel. In other words, he sees him, he enters into that relationship mm. of see, to, to see is to know and, and to be known and that sort mm. of thing. And I think that's what's so different about, as you were, you're just saying, is that this wasn't meant to appease the god, this was meant for God to be pleased with the person, not to forget mm-hmm. about him and and you know direct his godly energies and angst elsewhere, but to actually mm-hmm. this cut. God uses sacrifice, we'll see in in uh Genesis uh 5, 12 15. Which one is it where he cuts the, the parts? Sorry, get separated. Yeah, yeah, he uses that to enter into this covenant with his people. And that's a different, that's a different way. There's no When we sacrifice, well, sorry, when the ancient Near Eastern civilizations sacrificed to their gods, it was not because there were promises being made. It was it was, as you said, just to keep him off your back. Oh, sacrifice now is reminiscent of the promises that Yahweh has made to his people and that he is pleased through those sacrifices. Yeah, it's a very subversive and different thing.
1: Well, so there's a parallel here for me, because if we say in our modern culture, what what are the primary things, kindness and love and niceness? Actually, for us, those are not redemptive. There has to be a sacrifice. There has to be wrath appeased. Mm -hmm. And there has to be then us seeing ourselves as dying to ourselves, where in this culture, kindness is affirming yourself. As a Mm -hmm. Christian, actually, we believe that being kindness means dying and calling all the others likewise to come and die, right? God gives you, Christ bids you come and die. Right. And there's something right. by that sacrifice that is so subversive to this logic as well in this world that it's yeah, seen as right. not loving and not kind and not nice. And right. God would never do that. Well, yeah. By the world's logic, no, but by God's logic, this is actually what redeems the world. So I, I think right. that pattern of sacrifice being as subversive then as subversive now is really quite true. Like, it may be, maybe maybe terms is. are different, but I, I don't see it functioning differently.
0: Exactly. And I think um, like Paul doesn't shy away from that. Uh, right. th- that's exactly what he's saying when he asks us to pre- present our bodies as living sacrifice Um, the, the church as the body of Christ in the world, what, like we talk about that with such. Um, I don't know if we've had this discussion. I've had this discussion recently somewhere. Forgive me if it was on this podcast, but we think of that body of Christ analogy as sort of, um, Oh, well, that we're the body of you know we're a body of people or no that analogy body of christ living sacrifice christ's body was presented as a sacrifice for the life of the world through uh the the denial of himself and the death and resurrection and we're called to be the body of christ in the world that sort of changes that analogy for us a little bit
1: Wondering this too, Luke, and I don't want to get off on this subject because I know you have a lot to, to say on this, and I'd love to hear it. Although, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. In the <laughs> I'll
0: I'll, I'll uh, click click the shotgun. <laughs> if you just heard,
1: yeah, that was the that was the clicking of the of the 12 gauge. Um, is the idea of the of the sacrament, um, the Lord's Supper, is mm-hmm. is this really odd subversion of actually taking death? I, I haven't thought of it that way, but. You're actually, you're not taking the wholeness of, you're taking the brokenness of Christ. You're taking his side, you're actually owning that this, what is supposed to be food, which is food, which nourishes the body, Mm. but actually represents the death of the body. Right. Like, like, like that's a very subversive Say, I'm coming to this food so that I absorb into my flesh, his death Yeah. is, is not, and you know, I don't, Romans couldn't understand this either, but I'm not sure our culture understands that the love of God means, means our death to self that just, yeah that right these terms are very i mean they're hard for us and we have uh,
0: <laughs> right well i think um there's a sense in which what you're hinting at is what um maybe it's nt right sorry barry what nt right has <laughs> just done, say nt wrong <laughs> yeah and then you make
1: go. your point it's gonna be hard.
0: no but but nt right talks about the just we we don't catch it but the shocking um imagery that The cross has become this thing that we wear around our neck um, (laughs) or Mm. that, uh, you know, that has become the sign of our faith. Um, And we don't think of it as what it really was, this instrument of torture by the greatest, uh, most powerful civilization at that time that put to death the Messiah and sort of, in a sense... um, underlined its authority and its power and and was this grand so there here's your messiah he's on this cross so but the but christianity has taken that cross and made it at the very heart of its symbolism but we've we think of it as sort of a a a beautiful little piece of jewelry that we might (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: yeah yeah and and that's and i think but what you're saying is that's actually what's going on at the table sometimes we forget that what we are what we're feeding upon what is the very lifeblood of the church what is what is meant to be our own life is the broken body and poured out blood of jesus for his people and that that's not just um a symbol that is warm and rich it is what we are called to do by jesus himself to come and to die and to give our life for the life of the world um for each other
1: when you said it that way it was i i mean the picture of this massive cain called rome striking (laughs) christ and then going on to build massive empires which is what cain's children all go to
0: lamech yeah build the first civilization
1: right it's a poetical um precision to to Mm. to that pattern that here rome does the very same thing by reassorting its order over over god but that the blood of abel goes in the soil and actually yeah. defines the world now by <laughs> yeah. It. yeah yeah
0: yeah it's, it's fascinating and that the blood of jesus uh speaks even better things yeah, i mean it's yeah it's
1: phenomenal it's just i and and of course you know the the way that these things interrelate and like you say even all the way up to the way we experience the lord's table now and and the way that it defines the church all the way back through christ i mean there's continuities here that are just mm-hmm. mind boggling. And I, yeah. I, you know, I have seen study history cultures that have tried to attempt consistency and it just, yeah. it only works in, in myth, you know, well, we're, right. we're a Republic right. now because we were founded on Liberty and that's only in the Vegas sense, but the, mm-hmm. but the, the, the richness of the continuities from Abel through Christ to the church now is just, it's shocking. Yeah.
0: It's it is it's shocking it is the grandest and the most glorious thing to be a part of this kingdom. You gotta read Shaw's
1: quote now if you have it. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right here. I keep it handy. I think it's uh, I think it I think it's worth rereading. Yeah. I'll say something profound while I find it, Dan. <laughs> here it is. I'm I'm, I'm opening it up. I
1: couldn't think of anything. I'm glad you got there. Yeah.
0: I, I have it here. The central, current, and ultimate aim of universal history is the kingdom of God established by Jesus Christ. This is the grandest and most comprehensive institution in the world, as vast as humanity, as as enduring as eternity. All other institutions are made subservient to it, and in its interest, the whole world is governed. It is no afterthought of God, no subsequent emendation of the plan of creation, but it is the eternal forethought, the controlling idea, the beginning, the middle, and the end of all his ways and works. The first Adam is a type of the second Adam. Creation looks to redemption as the solution of its problems. Secular history, far from controlling sacred history, is controlled by it, must directly or indirectly subserve its ends and can only be fully understood in the central light of Christian truth and the plan of salvation. It's glorious yeah and you know and for abel and for the disciples and for
1: the church if you were to ask your eyes and your ears whether that's true you'd have to say no <laughs> right you'd have to say no you'd have to absolutely. say absolutely well, one and, yeah, and it's I, just, it doesn't make sense
0: yeah and i think that's what we're saying that cain couldn't grasp in that moment either
1: right right yeah right yeah and neither could rome and neither can our no. culture really because our no. certainties and, are they've got their definitions of good and evil and they're applying them with every bit of gusto they've got and well-intentioned or not, it's irrelevant. It's, it stands against the King in his way.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I got, I
1: have a question in this, and I, I, I don't know if, if you can tie this in, but you, as again, with all of this, that all the connections start to pop. But when, when God says to, to Cain and, I, and someone at, at last night in our little Calvin group said, and I think it was, uh, well, it doesn't matter. It was the idea that it was interesting that, that yeah, Cain didn't apologize for the sin. Mm-hmm. He simply just said, you know, hey, I'm not my brother's keeper. I said, hey, I don't want to die in this. Mm-hmm. But, but God's advice to him was sin is crouching at your door. Mm-hmm. Sin is there. So mm-hmm. do we, is, is there something in, in this pattern that gives us a sense of what sin is that was crouching at the door prior to Cain going through with this? Is there is there a mm. pattern there also that we can say yes sin is also crouching at our door because it's not yeah. that I want to go kill my brother my brothers are fine right. people yeah. so there's something there though that is the pattern of sin that crouches is there is there something you can connect us to for that yeah
0: it, it is interesting I puzzled over that and just decided oh well I'll just skip it because I don't have to <laughs> <laughs> and then comes the podcast but, yeah now we come the podcast and dang it you asked it again no I think um. The best, the best, and I'd be happy to hear what you guys decided last night uh, as you talked about it. But for me, I I think it's this, it is, it's in a sense, the tree that is there again. It's, 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 it's again, the sense of will you do well? Will you, in other words, um, do what, so time out, let me pause and say, they had, the text doesn't say it, but there has to be already knowledge of what they were meant to do and, and what they were meant to be as mm-hmm. worshipers and as uh, the whole sacrificial system. Of course, right. the text doesn't give us any clue as to how that is, but there certainly has to be in the story itself um, some way in which they know. And I think this is so in the way that God gave Adam the prohibition of the tree um. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can have all of the fruit of the garden, but don't eat this one tree. I think there's a sense in which Abel, Cain, and Abel had some revelation as to what this sacrifice and offering and relationship with God was meant to look like. Mm. And I think what this is: uh, if you if you do if you do well, you'll be accepted. If you if you do not eat the fruit of this tree, you will live. <laughs> if you obey God, you will live. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Mm. It's that same thing that was given to Adam and Eve in a sense, this, this desire, this, uh, uh, this, the, 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 the seduction of this is what f- feels like it is the right thing. Maybe it's the logic that makes the most sense versus what God has actually said. And so I think that's it, Dan, it's a, it's a, it, the whole story, I, I pointed this out a couple times, is almost a restatement of the story of Adam and Eve and their sin in one sense. There's all these um, connection points, the questions, the timing of the questions after the sin, after something done that's right. been displeased. And I think that fits along in there. That, that's my best yeah. guess because it, it just helps me read the story uh, a little more coherently. Well I think, what, what uh, did you guys come up with Well
1: we didn't we didn't go anywhere on that it was just I think what you said was really helpful was that to understand Kane's response able able or um, Adam and Eve respond by at least replying okay we know what we did was wrong it's mm-hmm. someone else's fault this right. declension which you you make this point that after the first end things 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 get continually worse, which makes sense of what's about to happen in Noah's Noah's age. Right,
0: right. But
1: the but the idea that now Cain is not even interested in saying, "Hey, what I did was wrong. It was it was it was Abel's fault for trying to take my authority in the home or something right. like that." Right. He just simply said, "Hey, you know, who's gonna? I don't want to get killed either now." Um, and that seems yeah. to be the true concern. So that was very helpful, at least in our conversation, as far as yeah. the sin crouching and being mastered. We we didn't have a good sense of what that was. Yeah. But I I do think there is something about the pattern, like you say, about yeah the tree is not to eat of it is not really just to commit one thing it's once you do that it now overcomes you it becomes a second pattern it becomes yeah. it it's it's deviousness is not just that you made a mistake and now you know it it's actually starts to corrupt your moral yeah. center and your and all of a sudden what's right what's wrong seems to be right and what's right seems to be wrong yeah. it, that, that 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 sense that it's a violent thing that overthrows you and overwhelms you which well, i think follows if that's what happens to Cain's family my goodness gracious <laughs> that's ex-
0: that's exactly consciousness right, or right. and and i think as i i remember now uh some of the studying i was doing on that verse um and i think even in the footnotes of a good study bible it'll say that its desire is for you it's not just for you its desire is against you there's this um Antagonism. There is this maybe what uh, was going on uh, in the seed of the seed of the woman and the, versus the seed of the serpent. This enmity. This its desire is against you, maybe, or its desire is to master you. Is another After, translation yeah. that I read uh, as I worked through it. But yeah, and it's that. And again, that is exactly what happens. And in fact, we'll see that Lamech. Who who comes from Cain and all of this in, in the end of verse four, he eventually becomes a dead end. And um, Genesis five, as we'll look at uh, some way and in some form next uh, this coming Sunday, there's this whole other branch. It's like that gets cut off. The mm-hmm. the whole the, the whole Cain branch, in a sense, gets cut off. Um, they don't disappear. The Kenites are are um, you'll see them later. In in history, but as far as part of the redemptive story, yeah, they get cut off.
1: and yeah, that's interesting.
0: To the fire, in a sense.
1: Well, and you got to wonder then, as you know, as we think of sin in just moral terms, um, it actually has this existential power to reform and recraft what you think is right and wrong, which yeah. I I think just ties in the the danger. Like you said, I think that's a good point. You, the danger, the the threat to to Cain is the same in this moment as the threat of the tree was and if you step back and look and say okay they made a moral decision but now the repercussions are all of life is affected Mm -hmm. everything twisted on its head like this is going to this is the same thing it's not just a mistake you're about to enter something that's going to invert the world good is going to become evil evil is going to become good and it becomes generational which i think is a key part of old testament yeah it seems like sin is a generation yeah
0: yeah yeah and this is yep exactly i think that's uh that's sort of what we'll see play out in the, in the right. rest of the story. Can There's I no ask argument. one other Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and that this is this may not be relevant. I've heard this argument before, um, and I'm not sure what to do with it. Um, I can go both ways on this, but one I have heard and read places um, talk about the fact that this the the problem with Cain was not how he did a sacrifice, but what he actually sacrificed, and mm. that. It wasn't just that he, he didn't bring the right amount of fruits, but that he chose to bring fruits instead of animal sacrifices. Yeah. Um, is, is there anything to that? Do we have, because I think you've made the point that there seems to be a lack of sincerity in Cain's sacrifices. Right. But could it be the thing he was sacrificing that, right. that also proved insincerity? In, in yeah.
0: Kane? Yeah. It's an interesting question. And I, I spent some time, I mean, obviously, if you were sitting through, my sermon and you've sat through any other sermons on Genesis 4 you were probably thinking when is he going to talk about this and um i really didn't so that that's probably <laughs> which i'm i'm becoming famous for is 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 ignoring the uh, anyway but uh no so i wrestled with that a little bit and i actually went back and forth on it uh, I, of course, I grew up saying, oh, I, I," and I was puzzling over this myself. Um, I grew up and I don't know where I heard this as a kid. Somehow I heard this. I had always heard that what Cain was supposed to do was gather up all of his fruits and then trade them to Abel and get a a lamb. And he was, I, I don't know where I'd heard that. I But that was like, that's sort of my raw understanding that I brought to the text. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, um, and and when I began to study, and I, I I understand why you would do that, why you would think that. As I began to study it, um, a lot of commentators pointed out that. Well, now wait a minute. Um, if this is coming, if if we're thinking contextually, which I've been challenging us to do all along, uh, Israel had a context for grain offerings or, or first fruits offerings, whatever it is that you brought. It did not always have to be a blood sacrifice. Now, as we get later in Israel's history and atonement sort of things, atonement sacrifices and the different ones get delineated by God, then, of course, there are more patterns that that get worked out to okay you could do a dove it didn't have if you were poor it could be something other than uh, a a goat or a a lamb but but as i so i came to this and i thought no well i think i think Cain could have probably brought uh his fruit because there was fruit of the ground because there was a legitimate gift offering and and by the way that's the language here in this offering it's not uh it's not atonement it's not these this is not atonement oh, sacrifices that we're seeing here it's the word of minka uh, or i might be saying that wrong it's hebrew um i hope dan carver's not listening to this podcast <laughs> uh but it's uh it's a gift it's it's a gift offering it's a it's it's that sort of thing gift slash offering and uh, so then i was like well maybe it doesn't matter but That thing that I was doing at some point in there, because the sacrifice is a pattern and it does become a pattern. When we go forward and we we begin to understand in the rest of scriptures, all that sacrifice meant in in Israel, just in the Pentateuch. And of course, this Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they come as a whole. These weren't like the Harry Potter series where they're released. (laughs) um, You know, you don't know what's going to happen in a sense. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a sense, here's what I want to say. There's a sense in which you can read all of that back into it, I think. I think that's a legitimate reading of it, is to take all that we know about sacrifice and read it back into it. I think that's legitimate at one level. But I don't think you can say, well, what's absolutely wrong here with Cain is that it wasn't a blood sacrifice and it didn't have all of the fat portions and that sort of thing. I will say, though, that the one clue that we're given, as I sort of mentioned, the the clue that we're given in the text, like textually and grammatically, is Cain brings a singular and Abel's Mm -hmm. is plural. And, and there is something to that. So I think, I I think that's right. I think that the sacrifice itself does say something Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. the motives and the heart with which Cain brought his sacrifice. So, yeah, I just not committed, not, not fully committed on that, but I, but I think there's something to it and I think it's legitimate. Well,
1: I, I, yeah. And I think for, for those of us, all of us who are trying to read scripture and read it um, well, uh, th- there are these richnesses and there does not change the actual message of yeah. uh, what the, the clear message of the text, which is that the regard God has had something to do with the mm. sincerity with which whether it was this brought or that brought right The point is the sincerity wasn't there and it, we get two, to get caught up whether snakes had legs and kind of things. Like two that.
0: two other things that further deepen that is the way in which, um, first of all, um, the first fruits thing is very clear in able sacrifice. And it's not mentioned in Cain's. There's no mm-hmm. mention of the mm-hmm. first fruits, which is an enduring principle in what we know. Uh, the second thing is the way in which the, the grammar says the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. It's not just the offering. It, th- there's this connection that is being made between the offering that's given and the one who mm-hmm. brought it so that mm-hmm. it re- the offering itself so reflected see, yeah. something of the one who gave it. So it's mm. not like God rejected Cain's offering. It says mm. he rejected he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Or that mm. it's not that God accepted Abel's offering, it's that God accepted Abel and mm. his offering. So there is something there about motivations and the heart of the and and all of that of of course speaks to some of the things that I didn't say is like did Cain have an inadequate sense of his sin and an adequate sense of what sacrifice right. was meant to be. um was, was there human pride and spirit and a lack of spiritual humility? You know, these are all things I was thinking about, but um I felt like it. well That's good. Well, I, I think there's bit. a
1: there's a formalism sometimes in these conversations. Think of the Catholic mm. problem that Luther is bringing up. There's a formalism to sacrifice. It's you just didn't follow the, the prescribed ways. You didn't know Vulgate Latin or something. Or, mm-hmm. But it, but really, there's that that rarely is what God is looking at. I think this goes to other things you've talked about when, even towards the end of the Old Testament, when when Israel got caught up in its formalism, it was like, you know, it's just no, God said, no, I, I it's a contrite and broken heart. Not The sacrifice themselves are a way of showing that, but they yeah. on themselves aren't actually the, the value. It's the contrite and broken heart that we want to right. see. Right,
0: yeah. That and whole, I think as you say, that's... reading
1: backwards, you can read from that, and Jesus' own discussions about what mm. repentance looks mm-hmm. like back into Abel mm-hmm. and say, Abel Abel must have in that moment been been showing and offering in a self-sacrificial, humble way, mm-hmm. who is the true God, what is right. truly important in the world, what's really valuable. Yeah. And Cain was caught up in his own position or something, and well, sacrifice is just a way to get at that.
0: I have in my hands here some notes that I made um, that didn't make it into the sermon. And, and I had this line written. It's I said, it seems to me that Cain wanted affirmation before righteousness. Like the most important thing was to have his position. Mm. I mean, you've talked about it eloquently, I think, and brought like, he had this idea of his himself as the firstborn, blah, blah, blah. He wanted that affirmed before mm. the righteous and the mm. relationship and, and the humility. You know, what was most important to him was his position affirmed right and and whatever whatever happened between him and god the most important thing was keeping order and having this position affirmed and when that didn't happen that was you know
1: well that that makes sense of him asking for a mark yeah or for protection that that and again i think i think it's right to read here that that cain is not just mindlessly simplistically self-protective he's trying to say hey if i'm the only son left Mm-hmm. i'm the only son of adam right. and eve yeah. if you don't save me you, you've got nothing yeah. left here and he was right. trying to assert that on abel and and so he just keeps trying to assert his plan to get this to work right yeah. and even in that moment say, and god's in one sense confirming okay yeah okay I'll, I'll let that like i'll let egypt go for now i'm gonna yeah. let egypt you right. defeat him and walked away i let egypt there not because they're mm-hmm. right but because i want them to bring order to that region for now and i'm well, going to allow that for whatever reason
0: God is saying that order is important, but it's not ultimate in a sense. Right. right. Because who guess who comes from Cain when we get into uh this passage this Sunday? Uh Tubal Cain, who was a forger of instruments of bronze and iron, and um Jubal, who was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. I mean, it's like culture. Um, there are these cultural bits that are important and that are beautiful but that are not ultimate. Mm, that's great. And, and at the end of that, at verse 24, you know, Lamech talks about, sings this song to his, his two wives, which is the first mention of that we have, and, and um, says, I've killed a, a man for, wound. anyway, I won't get that, but at the end of the chapter, all of a sudden it just stops with Lamech's boast about who he has killed, that if Cain Cain's revolt, revenge was sevenfold, that Lamech says, my revenge is 70-fold, and then that's it. It's like the end of the line of of Cain, and verse 25 and 26 at the end of chapter 4 are like this page it gets turned and It says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. That's the last time you hear about Cain in the scriptures mm-hmm. as far as his story goes. He's, he's referenced back. But mm-hmm. and then Seth mm-hmm. has a son, and people begin to call on the name of the Lord. And that's a very I, I can't wait to shoot another shotgun <laughs> shell. Some <laughs> well, that's on that. Yeah. That I, I just
1: want to say that that's a that's a really helpful hanger for me to say God God allows even even sinful and broken order because it's still order not mm-hmm. ultimate, but it's still important. So that, and I, and I think that's how we see our, our country. Mm-hmm. I think that's how Romans 13 makes sense that mm-hmm. you say, mm-hmm. you know, the church is broken. then, then, then screw it. Everything should go and fall. And God says, no, 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 no. Every king has power by me and my me alone. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh's power in Egypt was what God allowed mm-hmm. for whatever his ways are higher than our ways. That's his, that's his purpose isn't planned. But that the ultimate truth is that, regardless of what God is doing there by allowing order in Cain and Egypt and mm-hmm. Rome and whatever, mm-hmm. we're called to this this other knowledge of good and evil, which is in fact how we know Christ or how we know Yahweh yeah. through His law and His word. So, yeah, again, I, I I think what's going on here is there's just there's so much oh my there's so yeah. much in this connected as you said if you if you take these things into the rest of Scripture and bring all those back there's such a continuity and consistency here that you can learn so much from this mm-hmm. if you overlay it against what, you know, happens in the later, later text. Yeah. Um, is there so anything else fun. you want to say to us before, before next Sunday service? Sorry.
0: I don't, I mean, uh, no, not really. I'm, I'm, my biggest concern <laughs> is whether people uh, will be able to bear 32 verses out of Genesis chapter five of genealogy, but, uh, <laughs> but there's some important stuff going on that I want to point out. So Yeah, we'll see. You guys will know what I finally decided on what gets read publicly. Um, Not that I'm afraid for it to be read publicly, but uh, there's only, we have, you know, limited time in that. You're testing our endurance. That's right. This is not a bad
1: thing, Pastor Luke. No. If I
0: can speak for the congregation,
1: and I absolutely cannot. (laughs) um say that (laughs) that's not a terrible thing it's good that we sit and and have the discipline of listening so but uh, that's what you will do you will do
0: i i will say that what comes up in the text uh at the end of chapter four is where cain got his wife so Mm -hmm. cain Uh knew his wife so that's another interesting uh question (laughs) that i probably several will. emails after that come yeah. i'm sure yeah. i'm sure i will <laughs> just deal with it in depth uh, that's what i do is i take these questions that everybody has and deal with them in that's depth. Right. there's no questions Perfect. left yeah exactly. once you've addressed it
1: <laughs> thanks pastor luke
0: thank you dan i appreciate the conversation always helpful Friends, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Cross Reference, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. You can learn more about our church and discover additional resources on our website, wheatlandpca.org.